0: Have you ever seen one of these videos that they do on YouTube where they take a movie or they take like a really like critical scene from a movie and they remove all the music from it. You know like they did this on the final scene of of you know A New Hope on Star Wars where you know they're walking into the palace and and you know there's just no music and everything's just dead quiet. You just hear their steps and you just hear Chewie in the background like you know he's just doing his thing and there's just <laughs> there's just there's there's no music or anything you know these are these are funny videos because they reveal uh, how powerful music is! You take a movie and and some of these scenes that we we are so moved by, are these scenes that that mean a lot to us. Maybe you know even on Avengers or 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 even in in war movies, or even take movies like The Passion of the Christ, which uh, is my favorite movie, and I believe could absolutely stand on its own two feet even without music, just because of what it's representing. But uh, I used to listen to the soundtrack of that. Of that movie all the time because the music was so powerful and you know music has power and music has purpose and I want to talk today about what that power is where it comes from and what the purpose is for it hello my name is Benjamin Pace and this is the no content podcast the podcast that I started because I wanted to have a podcast before everyone does we have no content for ducks Hey there, welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. Hope you're having a great day, great afternoon, great evening, great middle of the night, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm excited about this podcast today. It's really close to my heart. I am a musician. I enjoy playing music. I have for a very long time, since I was a young kid. And, well, if if you're a normal human being, you probably do too. Whether you're a musician or not, uh, music probably has an impact on you you probably enjoy it and you know i mentioned in the beginning how you know if you take away the music from something like a movie or or a powerful piece of work it, it takes the power out of it in a lot of ways it takes the power out of the scene it takes the power out of the the moment and you know music is powerful Music has power. It can move you. It can move you to one thing or the other. It can move you to good. It can move you to evil. And today, I want to talk about the power and the purpose of music. It's important to understand the power of music. We know it's powerful. Man, it can, like I said, it can move you. It can move you to tears. It can move you to emotion. It can Uh, move you to love. I mean, it's, you know, it it, it has these uh, powerful things in it. It has these powerful attributes, but you know, music, it can also move you to wrong things. And you know, it's just so important for us to understand the power and the purpose of music and and to understand what God created it for, what its purpose is so that uh, Satan can't use it to manipulate us and to get us off track. And, yeah, I'm excited about this podcast. It's going to be good. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to get into it, and I'm believing for the help of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just thank you for this time, and thank you for an opportunity to get into the Word. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see what you want us to see about this topic, what your purpose is for music, and how it's supposed to be used in such a way that glorifies you. And that represents you well. And Father, we thank you for the gift of music. And Lord, I just thank you for revelation today. In Jesus' name, amen. The power and the purpose of music. You know, music, to my knowledge, has at least three purposes. I never like to say, these are the purposes or these are the only purposes. Well, I don't know that. (laughs) I don't know enough to know that or to say that. But, you know, I know that three of the purposes that music has are are these. Number one, to worship God and to minister to Him. You know, the Bible talks about bringing offerings of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. You know, worship is an offering to God. In the next podcast, I'm going to get into what true worship is, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But the number one purpose of music, it's to minister to God. And it's to worship God. And the second purpose of music is to minister to people. God made music as a medicine that ministers to people. And music can carry healing. It can bring healing. Music is powerful. And God wants to minister to people through music. But you know, music can also minister wrong things to people. Music can minister death to people, but it is, it is a ministry. It it can be a ministry of life or a ministry of death. And the third thing that I believe music is for is our enjoyment. Uh, I'll get more into that in a little bit, but you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of, of when uh, Saul was troubled by, by an evil spirit, um, he had disobeyed God. He was in a bad way. <laughs> and uh, well, I'll read it to you. In 1 Samuel 16, it says, The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. You know, <laughs> I hear a lot of times people, you know, try to protect the word of God from itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? They try to explain everything and they try to be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. Like, well, that's what it said. (laughs) You know, some of those verses that you try to skip over real quick in in church, you know, we don't want to see that one, you know, but you know, we don't have to, um, we don't have to change the word of God. It it can stand on its own two feet and it's important to dig in uh, to rightly divide it. It's important to study the language and and to understand what's actually being said. Things can be mistranslated and, and misrepresented. Especially in newer translations. you got to watch out for that. But you know, it says a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. The best way I know to explain that is to say, you know, there is, uh, there is a side of God that you don't want to be on. I'll just say that. The Bible says that God resists the proud. And there is two sides to the blessing and the curse. And if you get on the wrong side of that, you know, the Bible says the blessing of the Lord is in the house of the righteous, but the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. You know, there is a negative side to some of these things. Now, God is good and he is light. He's, he doesn't have a dark side or a bad side, but you can be on the wrong side of God. And that's not a place you or me ever want to be. Thank God we're not. Thank God we are, we are grafted in and we are on his good side. And we have favor with the Lord. We are in the family of God if you're born again. But um, that's, that's the best thing I know to say about that is that you just don't want to be on the wrong side of God. Because you'll be resisted and you open yourself up to the enemy. But anyway, Saul was troubled. And his servants advised him and they said, uh, go send for somebody who is a skillful player on the harp. And you know, skill and talent is is a good thing. And we're supposed to use our skills and talents. We're not supposed to be ashamed of them. It's not pride to use our talents and gifts to play skillfully. And we'll get more into that in a moment. But basically, he said, it'll be when he plays with his hand that the distressing spirit that's on you, it, you will be well. It, it will, it, you'll be relieved is what he's saying. You'll be ministered to. And Saul was like, let's do it. Send for him. And so they sent for David. David came and, and the Bible says that when this spirit came on Saul, David played with his hand. He played instrumental music and this spirit left. And Saul was relieved. It says he was refreshed and he was well. And this distressing spirit departed from him. You know, it didn't say that David sang. It didn't say that David um, used his voice. Now we know in other times David did. David did a lot of things. He wrote, you know, a bunch of psalms. <laughs> we know he was singing. He did that. And I imagine David had a pretty good voice. I imagine he had some good pipes. Uh, but in this case, he was playing instrumental music. You know, music in and, in and of itself is is powerful. And you know, the the morality of music is not just based on the lyrics. Now, it is it is found in the lyrics. If the lyrics are not good, you can determine the morality of the music. People say, well, don't judge a book by its cover. Well, <laughs> I mean, if the cover of the book has something really bad on the front, you can kind of determine what's on the inside. I mean, it, it, you know, you can judge a magazine by its cover. That's all I'm going to say about that. But... Um, you know, music is not limited to just the lyrics that are on top of it. In fact, lyrics are just, uh, you know, what is carried by the music. But music in and of itself is spiritual, and it has a spiritual influence, either for good or for evil. You know, music is spiritual. Um, you know, I think about this. If music wasn't spiritual how could music affect the spiritual atmosphere of a place? Have you ever walked into a store and just sensed the spiritual atmosphere because of the music that was playing, whether good or evil? There's a truth to that, you know. Music affects spiritual things because music is itself spiritual, and really, you know, uh, it's a it's a tangible connection to spiritual things in many ways. Now, music often affects our soul, tangibly speaking, but it it also affects the spiritual atmosphere. I know of people who have made albums, made music, that the sole purpose of it was just to minister healing to people, the healing of Jesus, not just new agey healing, no, Christ the healer, music that was meant to minister Christ as the healer and it's anointed for that. And I know of testimonies of people who would sit and soak under that music and they would receive healing just from listening to it because music is anointed. Music is, it can be anointed. It's powerful. It's a carrier of spiritual things. But, you know, you use that term spiritual, you know, people say, oh, they're very spiritual. You know, you hear people you know, maybe maybe somebody's a Christian and they're dating somebody, and you say, "Well, are are, there, are you are, are they a Christian?" <laughs> and they say, "Well, they're they're real spiritual." Well, that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, as Christians should be spiritual, we should be aware of spiritual things. But just being spiritual doesn't mean you're being godly. You know, being godly means you're like God. But there are a lot of unclean, ungodly spiritual things. Many things. And there are people who are witch doctors and spiritists who who dabble in spiritual things and who manipulate spiritual things, and it has nothing to do with God. It's not just about being spiritual, it's about being godly. And that's the kind of spiritual we want to be. But music is spiritual, and it can be a carrier of either life or it can be a carrier of death. You know, when I was a teenager, I used to listen to some bands and... (laughs) I look back and I'm like, man, how did I ever listen to that stuff? Because it was so dark, it was so depressing, it was so sad, it was so full of death. I'm thinking of one band I used to listen to called Disturbed. (laughs) The name of the band was Disturbed. You, You may have heard of them. You know, they had this one song and it was called Overburdened. And the lyrics were literally, hell is still overburdened, I must stand and wait in line." And man, it was this slow rock song that had this really intense, emotional guitar solo. And I really liked it. I used to go to bed listening to it. Man, I look back and I see how that, that music was moving me to death. It was full of death and it was moving me toward death. Because music was made to move you and it'll move you to evil or it'll move you to good. It can move you to immorality or it can move you to integrity. Can move you to rebellion or it can move you to humility, can move you to violence. Man, I when I was a teenager I listened to one band called Insane Clown Posse, my goodness. God save these guys. Um I, I don't know how I ever listened to that band. They're some of the most awful lyrics you'll ever hear in music. Those dirty, you know, debauchery, ugly, violent, demonic things. And I used to listen to them because I I was a teenager. I felt vulnerable and and I I liked the feeling of power I got when I'd listen to them. And that's why a lot of people get involved in Satanism and occultic powers because they they feel weak and they want to feel powerful. But, you know, the cure for that is, is is, is finding out what it means to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's the cure for insecurity and weakness. Come on. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that I used to listen to these bands that moved me to to darkness, to death, to rebellion. And I didn't realize that even though my soul was attached to the style and the way it sounded and the way it made me feel and just this and that that it was moving me towards something. It was manipulating me. You know, music moves past the guards of reason and it goes straight to your soul. It touches you in the deepest places. You know, uh, music can move you to tears. It can move you uh, to feel a certain way about something. I, I mentioned this in the beginning. I, I, I like the movie "The Passion of the Christ." Such a good movie. Uh, it makes me cry every time I watch it. But you know, a, a powerful part of that movie is the music in it. And in fact, I used to just listen to the soundtrack of it because I liked it so much. But the music carries the story. It carries what's happening. And obviously that story will stand alone without any music to help it. But that's the thing is music is something that can carry the glory of God. It's something that can usher in the presence of God. And uh, that movie is powerful because of, of it's talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is the most powerful story you can tell. But I, I like the music in it because it really carries it. And, you know, people say, well, oh, you know, in church, all these people, they just have their music that makes everything emotional and it's all just made up. It's all just this and that. No, they don't understand spiritual things and they don't understand how music can carry the glory of God. They don't understand how music can be a tool that ushers in the presence of God. It's worship. And people who don't understand that will think it's all just emotion, but that's just being carnally minded. No. No. Uh, music is powerful, and it's a gift, and it's spiritual. Um, and it can move you to either evil, or it can move you to good. You know, it can move you to to joy. It can move you uh, to be excited or, or to feel good. It can move you to sadness. It can move you to depression. It can move you to immorality or sin. It can move you to suicide. Man, talking about music that I used to listen to, there was a band called Papa Roach. They had a song called Last Resort. And the, the opening statement, the opening declaration in this song was cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. And it was all about suicide. It was all about killing yourself. And man, I shudder to think of, of what that song influenced young people to do over time. I used to listen to it because I thought it sounded cool. I thought it expressed emotion and, and, and it just helped me just express the way I felt but it was moving me to death. The good news about that band is the lead singer, Jacoby Shaddix, actually ended up getting born again, at least to the best of my knowledge. He he says he hasn't. And and he actually ended up doing some music with some Christian metal bands, some Christian rock bands. And uh, I actually saw a video of him singing How He Loves uh, by John Mark McMillan, made popular by David Crowder. But I saw him singing that and I was like, man, that's powerful. You know, God can redeem anybody. You know, I hear somebody thinking, oh, what do you mean Christian metal, Christian rock? Yeah. Um, well, music can't get saved. <laughs> you know, rap can't get saved. But people can use any any style of music for the glory of God. Uh, in, in Acts, God told Peter, what I have cleansed, don't call unholy or common." Well, if something is sanctified unto God, if it's used for God's glory, God will use it whether it's heavy metal, whether it's rock, whether it's rap, there are things that that can reach. There are people that that kind of music can reach that, that other people can't reach. Other things won't reach because that's their culture. Paul said, I'm all things to all men. And if you don't believe me, let me tell you this real quick. I, I was in a, uh, a concert. I was at a concert in Dallas one time, a Disciple concert. I've told this story before. And disciple is a hard rock, heavy metal Christian band. But I'll tell you what, those guys love Jesus. They preach the gospel with fire and with conviction and with integrity. And yeah, they headbang. Yeah, they, they, he's got long hair and he whirls around on stage. Yeah, they, they have a double bass pedals. They got all that stuff. He screams sometimes. But when that man starts preaching the gospel, I'll tell you what, the anointing is there. And I was in a concert in Deep Ellum, Dallas at midnight in a bar. And I was listening to a disciple concert. I was at a disciple concert is what I meant to say. And man, he starts preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit fell in that place. And people got saved in a bar in Dallas. And that's fruit, baby. That is fruit. There are people who are much more religious who are not seeing the kind of fruit that they're seeing. That's the thing that matters. When all said and done... It's what are we doing to get people into the kingdom of God? I don't care what the delivery looks like. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. But man, if it's getting people saved, let's do it. And and I happen to like that style of music, so I'm, I'm all for it. But, you know, people will say, well, yeah, the sermon's anointed, but not that music. That music's not anointed. If it wasn't for the music, those people wouldn't have come. If they hadn't have been playing that style of music, those people wouldn't have even showed up. No. Uh, God God can use uh, that style just because it's a certain style does not necessarily mean it's a certain spirit. I'm going to say that again. Just because something is a certain style does not mean it's a certain spirit. A spirit is not evidenced simply by the style of music. It's evidenced by what it moves you toward. You know, uh, music is a gift, And originally it was a gift that God entrusted to Lucifer, the devil, before he was the devil, before he was Satan, the adversary. And my friend Elijah Merle did a really good podcast on this. And he talked about how, you know, Satan, you know, he, what, the reason he got kicked out of heaven is because instead of giving and ministering that worship to God, he kept it for himself. Satan is a self-worshipper. And, you know, music that is of Satan is evidenced by self-worship. Come on. Music that is influenced by Satan is evidenced by self-worship, whether it's on Christian radio or secular radio. Uh-oh. Come on now. And, you know, uh, let me say this. Um, Satan did not create music, and Satan is not the god of music. You hear some people say some things, and that it's not right, it's not accurate, Satan is not the author of music and Satan is not the god of music. No, Satan was entrusted with the gift of music and he was an unfaithful steward with it so it was removed from him. He was stripped of it and he was cast down. And people say, well, no, Satan was the anointed cherub that covered. He was the anointed cherub that covered. He is no longer that. He is stripped. He was cast out. Listen, uh, 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 Jesus talked about how when, when a, a wise master found that his steward was unfaithful, he took away from him what he was a steward of. Well, you think God didn't take away from Satan what he was an unfaithful steward of? No. Uh, people get off into goofy ideas about some of these things, um, but it's not true. Uh, Satan does not have the patent on music. Satan doesn't give people talent and gifting. Now, some people disagree with that. But it's true. Now, if you want to read more about, about some of these things, about Satan, you know, in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 talks about them. I'm not going to read all those scriptures, but he was he was stripped when he fell. And Satan doesn't have talent to give people. What Satan seeks to do is to steal and influence the talents that God gives people and the graces that God gives people and to pervert them, to get them to yield them to him. You know, uh, uh, people talk like, well, they sold their soul to the devil. So they got this talent or they got this gifting. No, that's not accurate either. Uh, what they did was they yielded their talents to Satan. And yes, some supernatural things happen. Yes, some, some things that seemed, uh, you know, otherworldly may have happened. But it's because they yielded it to him. There is a cultic power, of course. There is perversions of the, the uses of faith and things of that nature, Uh, Spiritual things are real, whether they're for evil or whether they're for good. But that gifting and that grace didn't come from Satan. God put that in them, and Satan recognizes those things at a young age, and he seeks to influence and pervert them. That's what he did with me. You know, um, uh, I like the movie August Rush. I think it really shows that really well. Uh, Robin Williams recognizes the talent on, on this young guy and tries to exploit it. You know, uh, this is true in, in the life of Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash was anointed, graced. And uh, we see that later on in his life. You know, he used that for God. But in the beginning, you know, Satan got a hold of that and twisted it and distorted it. But he didn't give him that talent is the point I'm saying. And, you know, that's that's giving him too much credit. And so many people, you know, we listen to these bands, we listen to these people and a lot of times I'll listen to to some people and some bands and things like that, and I realize, man, they are graced and they are gifted. And if they would use it for God, man, God would would take it and do something with it. But it's our choice whether or not we're going to steward what God gave us the way He wants us to steward it. It's like the prodigal son, you know, the, the father gave him his inheritance, and he went off and wasted it in the world. Well, that's such a picture of so many musicians you know, that they got the talent from the Father. They got the talent from God, but it's their choice what they choose to do with that talent. And, you know, I'm, there are musicians that I, I can just see how they're graced and anointed, and I'm believing for them. Uh, I'm believing for them to come into the kingdom of God. I know they'd be a blessing to the body of Christ. And, you know, the Bible talks about how ministers are gifts. Musicians are gifts, too. Musicians are gifts, And, and, uh, you know, God gives people voices and and talents and these things skillfully, just like with David, to minister, to minister life to people, to minister healing, and even for our enjoyment. God's not against us enjoying music. It's not wrong to enjoy music. But, you know, um, it's a person's choice whether they're going to use their gift for God or for themselves. You know, it makes me think about how with Jesus, you know, Satan... Tempted him in Matthew 4. And he brought him up and showed him all these kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, if you'll worship me, if you'll bow down, if you'll yield to me, I'll give you all these things. I'll give you all this glory. I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus said, no, you'll only worship God and him alone. That's what's written. So get away from me, Satan. That's what Jesus said. And, uh, you know, that's the thing that musicians go through that test a lot. You see that, that they, they have opportunity, they have contracts given to them. And and it's a way of saying, if you'll submit to us in the way we want to do things, then we'll give you this money. You'll get this, you'll get this publicity. So you got to be careful about who you submit to. You're not supposed to just submit to anybody. You know, you get into a contract with somebody, you need to ask yourself, who am I getting in covenant with right now? Because if they're going to tell me to do things that go against my relationship with God, how is that any different than what Satan offered Jesus? You see, Satan offered Jesus a contract. If you're a musician, I'm going to encourage you, be careful what you accept. Be careful what you get involved with. Just because you're gifted and talented and there's an opportunity that comes your way doesn't mean it came from God. No, in order to use it for God, it has to be of the right spirit and the right heart. Satan wants people to worship him with the gifts that God gave them. And he wants to minister death to people. But God gave us music to minister and worship him, to minister to each other, to minister life to each other, and for us to enjoy in the right way. And you know, Satan fears the glory of God. And music that's used for God's purposes to worship him, uh, Satan fears that. He doesn't want that. I need to say this. I didn't say it before, and I need to go back to it. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, if you're a musician, um, I, I'm going to reemphasize this to you. Uh, be careful what opportunities you accept. Just because it's an opportunity doesn't mean it's God. Uh, be careful what contracts you, you accept if you're a musician You need to ask yourself, what is the motive and what's the spirit behind this? Because if you want to use that gift for God, God will promote you. He'll promote you beyond what you thought he would do, but it has to be in a way that's glorifying him, not glorifying you and not glorifying people. And you want to represent him well with your musical gift. That's a word for somebody. I don't know who that is, but I'll just give that to you. Anyway, I couldn't get past that. But, you know, Satan's afraid of the glory of God. He's afraid of music that's used to usher in the presence of God and music that carries the glory of God. But in order for music to carry God's glory, it has to be used for his glory. That's the thing I want to say to you, that in order for music to carry the glory in the presence of God, it has to be used for his glory. The main purpose of music is to worship God, to minister to him, to usher in his presence, and to minister... To people, we're going to get more into that in the next podcast. But, you know, I want to say this. um, God is not against any musical style. I hear people say this and, oh, this style is evil and this style is of the devil and that's devil music and this and this and that. Um, You know, Satan does not have the patent on creativity. The world does not have the patent on creativity. Now, like I said, instrumental music can be spiritually unclean in and of itself. That's true. But it's the spirit of it that makes it unclean, not the style. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the spirit of a thing that that defiles it. Things are not spiritually unclean because of the natural state. It's the spirit that defiles it. Listen, let's just make it relevant. What is it that makes sexual things unclean when they are used in a rebellious way, Toward God, They're not kept in the right context. They're not evil. They're not demonic and unclean in and of themselves. No, it's when they're yielded to wrong spirits. When sexuality is influenced by evil and unclean spirits, that's what makes it unclean. That's what makes it defiled. Well, music is the same way. And, and the ironic thing is that music and sexuality have a lot of connection. I'm, I'm just being real with you. There is a lot of music that moves people to immorality. There's a lot of music that people listen to. And, and I'll say this too, you've got to be careful what you're listening to. You don't need to be listening to music that's talking about all kinds of immoral stuff and just saying, oh, it's fine. And, and even if, if you're married, you've got to be careful about some of these things. Listening to music that is full of unclean things. Now, now there is, a good, there is a good version of that. Now, I'm just going to be real with you. There, there, is, there is a good kind of, of baby-making music. Let me just say that, okay? If you Read the Song of Solomon. It, it's, it's all, that's what it is. <laughs> it's music. It's a song, and that's what it is about. But, but what I'm saying to you is you've got to judge the spirit of a thing. You've got to judge the spirit of a thing. You don't want to open yourself up to unclean spirits. No matter what, what season of life you're in, no matter what the case is, you don't ever want to open yourself up to unclean spirits, and you've got to watch that. You've got to guard that. What's the spirit of it? But, you know, Satan also comes as an angel of light, and he can come riding on melodic waves of classical beauty. You know, he, he's, not, he's not all this one thing or this thing over here. People can get so caught up in the outward things and miss the spirit of a thing and be deceived. And, you know, uh, music is not more demonically inspired in 2020 than it was in 1850 or 1960. No, um, Satan has always been trying to inspire and, and and influence music ever since he was stripped of it. He's trying to get back what he lost, but now he's using it for evil. See, that's what, that's what he's doing. God stripped him of it, and now he's trying to get it back and saying, See, God, I don't need you. I got music anyway. But it's a perversion. It's a perversion of it, and it's used for evil things. And and you got to guard more. uh, What is it that is inspiring this music? What is the spirit? What is it inspiring me to do? You you hear people say, oh, that song just inspired me. Well, what did it inspire? People say that about movies. Oh, that was such an inspirational movie. Okay. What, what did it inspire? You got to ask that question because some things are not good. Just because it inspired you doesn't mean it was necessarily a good thing. Now, if it inspired you to worship God, absolutely. If it inspired you to do something good, if it inspired you to love, if it inspired you to to um, think, you know, well of somebody else, or if it inspired you to, to be encouraged about something, well, if it's if it inspired you to do something good, that's great. But the question is, what did it inspire? And, you know, God's not against any style of music. He's not against any genre of music. Um, God can sanctify anything. You know, I've heard people say there's no such thing as Christian rap. Well, I agree, music can't get saved, but there are people who are anointed and graced to to do hip-hop and to rap for the glory of God. You may disagree with that, but, you know, um, some of these things are more about people's own preferences. See, people get attached to their own traditions. They get attached to their own preferences. Listen, God made music. And, and God's music is bigger than just the style that you're comfortable with. And, and we've got to be careful about you know, getting into this thing. You know, Some people prefer old school hymns and 3B organs, and, and that's fine. Or B3 organs, however that is. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't try to pass that off as the only thing that God's pleased with. First of all, it's not about the outward thing. It's about the heart of the thing. We're going to get more into this in the next podcast, but Jesus said, those who worship me worship not in this way or that way, but in spirit and in truth. I'm not going to spoil the podcast you know, next week, but, you know, and, and I'll say this, you know, when talking about Christian and secular music, you know, I mentioned, you know, what God has cleansed, let no man call unholy. Um, you know, it's just because something's on, on Caleb does not make it necessarily anointed by God. And, you know, uh, there's been times I've heard secular songs and I've thought, you know, that would make a great worship song. I-, I-, I could see that being a really good song for God. And a lot of times what that is is sensing the anointing on those people, whether they're using it for him or not, is, is recognizing, oh, man, they're anointed, they're graced. And, you know, people get mad. You know, I mentioned the passion earlier mentioned the passion of the Christ, people got mad at Mel Gibson because the woman that that was used to play Mary Magdalene was uh, at least formerly a porn star. And they, they were like, why would you use her? Why wouldn't you use her? That she's perfect. Mary Magdalene was somebody out of whom Jesus casts seven devils. I mean, you know, think about some of these things. You know, people got mad at Jesus because he associated with somebody who was formerly a prostitute. And actually he associated with people who were, it says he ate with tax collectors and sinners, but it also said that they followed him so that there was a step of repentance there. And a lot of people missed that, but people got mad at Mel Gibson for using that, but that was a perfect person for that role. And I'm praying and believing that that role impacted her life. But, you know, with music, people do this. People, you know, get mad at, at Chris Tomlin because he made an album with some secular artists. It's almost as if to say that they're upset because those people are finally doing what they're anointed to do. I know they've had some songs in the past that weren't necessarily, you know, something that, that we should listen to. All of them, I'm not, you know, calling them out specifically. But, uh, you know, and, and we do have to be careful about trying to make things seem okay that are not okay. We don't want to justify things that are wrong. We don't want to justify sin. We don't want to act like it's not a big deal to sing about immorality or getting drunk. No, those are things are not good, and we shouldn't promote that. But we should push people out of out of the church because of, of their past. You know, I listen to some people like John Mayer or Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park before he died, Avril Lavigne, Justin Bieber, who have sang some things at times that I was like, man... I can see the anointing on them. Uh, John Mayer once uh, at a concert sang How Great Thou Art as a tribute to some people that were killed or something of that nature. And man, for just a moment, I was like, man, he could be so anointed for God. He is anointed. He's graced. But he could be doing so much for God, whether he's doing it or not. Uh, I recognize that. Same thing with Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. Amazing musician, amazing singer. The devil stole his life, though. So often he, he sang about death and darkness, but every now and then he sang a song that had a, a tone of redemption to it. It had a tone of, of wanting to be redeemed and it, you could see it was a cry for help. It was something that it was heart was crying for. And, and, you know, with Justin Bieber, people got mad at him, you know, cause he claims to be a Christian and, uh, you know, they say, well, he's not, you know, living like this. He's not doing this. Well, you know, when I got saved, I didn't quit doing drugs for six months. But you know, um, when people are baby Christians, you got to be careful about just judging them. Uh, Paul said, "I pray for you uh, that that Christ would be formed in you." And you know, it's one thing if somebody's been in the church a long time and they're a leader or they're an elder or something like that and they're doing something wrong, and and you know, that's another thing. But somebody's a baby Christian, we gotta we gotta cut them some slack and pray for them. Doesn't mean we justify sin, but. And we're not calling things okay that are not okay. And if there's a wrong influence there, yeah, you don't want to open yourself up to that. But but don't be judgmental toward baby Christians. For a lot of people, <laughs> I want to say this, you know, um, every mistake they make is broadcasted for the whole world to see if they're in the public eye. And the difference between them and you is that when you stub your toe and cuss, there's no camera there to catch it. Or when you look at a woman in a way you shouldn't look at, there's no camera there to snap a picture before you repented. Come on now. Don't make me make it too relevant here. But people like Justin Bieber, people like these guys in the public eye, uh, they they can't hardly go to Walmart without somebody snapping a camera in their face. And and everything that they do and every mistake they make is broadcasted. How would you like that? How would you like it if every mistake you made was broadcasted for the world to see? Every time you got pulled over for for speeding, it was broadcasted across the world. How would you like that? Be careful about judging people like that. That's not not the Spirit of God doing that. And, you know, I'll say this. You know, people make such a big deal about Christian music and secular music. You know, I, I did a whole podcast on the spirit of Antichrist. I haven't released it yet. I'm going to. But, you know, the spirit of Antichrist is not claiming his name. I've been amazed by some of the people that have denied the name of Jesus and some of the people that are claiming it. Some of the worst musicians are people who are now claiming the name of Jesus. It's amazing to me that there are people who have been in the Christian world, both in preaching and in music for years, that have even done worship songs and things we've all sung that are now denying the name of Jesus. And, and even beyond that, there are Christian musicians and bands that you see drift farther and farther away from the name of Jesus. And yet you have people who have, have put out borderline blasphemous music in the past and immoral and music, and yet now they're coming out with albums called Jesus is King. <laughs> Come on, they're not ashamed of the name. You know, Jesus talked about this. He said, he said that the, the son who says, I will not do the will of my father, but then repents and does it. And the one who says, oh yeah, yeah, I'm doing it, but then doesn't do it. He said, he said those are the ones who really do the will of God. And in that context, he said, tax collectors and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. We're going to be shocked by who God brings into the kingdom before it's all over and who he uses. And it's going to, and I'll be honest with you, it's going to piss some people off too. <laughs> people are not going to be too happy. going to be like, well, hold on a second. They're like that. They're like that other son. They're like, oh, Lord, I've, I've been with you this whole time. And yet you're going to bring them in and let them do this and let them do that. And, and God's just saying, hey, I'm rejoicing that they were dead and they're alive again. And yeah, they're, they're, they're claiming my name. I'm going to claim them. It doesn't matter what their past was. And we get too hung up on some of these things. But the biggest thing is claiming his name or not claiming his name. And, uh, well, anyway, I better keep going. You know, and this this brings me to something else, uh, something I've heard. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee real quick, if you'll excuse me. You know, I've heard this. You know, we need to stop bringing the world into the church. Well, I agree. Um, I did a whole podcast called My Father's Business where I talked about sanctifying the things of God and not bringing the things of the world in. But, you know, we got to define what we mean when we say, quote unquote, the world. Because, you know, we, we tend to focus too much on just outward things and not enough on the spirit of the world. I want to read this scripture to you, and this helps us define what it means when we talk about the world and not being like the world. Um, in John, 1 John chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 15, he said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, you see this this phrase is used over and over again in this verse, the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So according to that verse, if we want to identify when it comes to music, what is of God and what is not of God, what criteria should we use? Should we should we judge it based on the style of the beat or the music? Should we judge it based on the color of the clothes? <laughs> you know, if they're wearing black, black clothes or whatever. Should we judge it based on that note? We should judge it based on is it promoting the lust of the flesh? Is it promoting the lust of the eyes and is it is it promoting the pride of life? You know, there's a lot of stuff in the Christian world that promotes the pride of life. There's a lot of there's a lot of vanity in things that are quote-unquote Christian. Self, there's a lot of self-promotion in ministry. You got to guard against some of these things. You know, and when it says the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, you know, I've talked about lust several times on this podcast, but you know, your flesh is not evil and it's not wrong to enjoy things in the flesh. It's not wrong to enjoy a good beat. And you know, it's not wrong to see beauty, the lust of the eyes. That's not talking about recognizing beauty. Beauty is a good thing. It's not wrong to, to be pleased in your eyes. But it's the worship of pleasure that is the lust of the flesh. That's what pornography is. It's worship of pleasure. It's giving yourself over unto this magnifying and worship of just pleasure. And you know, the lust of the eyes is worship of outward beauty. And the pride of life is worship of self. These are the spirits you have to judge to determine whether or not something is of the world are of God. Is it promoting God? Is it worshiping God? Or is it promoting self? Is it worshiping self? Is it, is it, is it, what is it doing? What is it worshiping? What is it promoting? We have to judge the world by the Spirit. We can't just look at something that looks this way or looks that way and say, oh, they're looking just like the world. Well, if it's just basic creativity, there's nothing wrong with that. The thing we don't want to mimic is the spirit of these things. That is what is of the world. That is what is worldly. You know, there's times I've been worshiping God and a secular song came up in my heart and a chorus or something like that and I ended up using it to worship God. I'll give you an example. One time, you know, I was worshiping God with my guitar and I started singing Bob Marley's song, Three Little Birds. Now, Bob Marley was a pothead and we all know it. But this song was actually a really good song. Because it's loosely based on Matthew six, and it says, "Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing's going to be all right." Don't worry about a thing; every little thing's going to be all right. I woke up this morning, smiled with the rising sun, three little birds on my doorstep singing sweet songs of melodies pure and true, singing this is my message to you. And I, I was singing this in worship, and all of a sudden I made up my own verse to it, and I said, "Why should I worry? Why should I fret?" Why would I so quickly forget how much he loves me, how much he cares? I know that he numbered every one of my hairs. Well, people say, well, you don't need to be doing that. That's not necessary. Well, I, I didn't say it was necessary, and yet this it came right out of my spirit. Why? Because if it's sanctified unto God, it's cleansed. Bob Marley was anointed and graced whether or not he completely used that for God. But it came up in my spirit at the time. And, and I used it to worship God. I used it to worship Him. And you know what? What God has cleansed, don't call unholy or common. There's other examples of this. Now, now, like I said, if it's something that is full of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, well, that's not of the Father. You can't use those things to worship the Father. You're not worshiping Him. No, that's not godly. But we've got to be careful about getting in these little boxes of of what is Christian, what is not, what is secular, what is not. I know people say things like, you know, well, you know, animals react, you know, to this kind of music. Animals react to, to you know, rock music this way. Well, that may be true, but at the same time, you know, just because an animal reacts negatively to it doesn't mean it's, it's morally evil. Um, and a lot of times, you know, animals are more sensitive to spiritual things. You know, a lot of times animals are actually reacting more to the spirit than they are just the natural side of things. I heard somebody say they did a test and they played the band Anthrax <laughs> for rats and rats, you know, they had this violent, evil reaction to it. Well, uh, in my opinion, I think it was probably the spirit behind the, that, that music that they were reacting to more than anything else. Um, but then again, if, if an animal doesn't like a Christian heavy metal band or whatever the case is, you know, God has a fierce side. I mentioned this earlier, uh, you know, you don't want to be on God's bad side. And, you know, there are times that that I've needed something a little bit heavier to help me to overcome something. There's times I've needed, you know, I'll just be real with you. There's times I've been tempted in the flesh with some things. And and there's a, so certain songs that when I put those on, it would help me to look that thing in the eye and to overcome it. Uh, there's there's this one song by the band Disciple called Dear X, You Don't Own Me. And, and I'm just going to be transparent. Anytime I've been tempted in, in, an, in an area in my flesh to yield. I, a lot of times I've put on that song and I've reminded the devil that he has no place in my life. And, and that song has got some umph to it. It's got some heaviness to it. It's got some bass drop to it. And, and it's it's a rock song. But every time I, I play it, it, it gives me a little something extra. There's an anointing on it to look sin in the eyes and say, no, you don't owe me. You're not going to have a place in my life. I'm just being real with you. And there's other songs like that. Sometimes you need a little something extra. And you know, there's a side of God that he's fierce. He's a lion of Judah. You know, a lion's roar is not soft and and cuddly. No, it's strong. It it scares enemies. It's frightening to his enemies. And and, and sometimes, you know, we got to be careful we say, "Well, God is a God of peace." Yeah, to his to his people. But to his enemies, he's not a God of peace. Come on now. His enemies don't experience his peace. And if you're dealing with an enemy, you don't need to be peaceful about it. The Bible says that, that the righteous uh, take the kingdom of God by force. The violent take it by forth, force, rather. There's a time you need to get aggressive with the kingdom of darkness. Now, you don't want to ever be aggressive with people. Unless it's a self-defense situation, you don't want to be aggressive toward people. But you need to get aggressive toward the kingdom of darkness sometimes. Sometimes you need to get right up in Satan's face and tell him where to get off. Say, no, I resist you. And and, and there's, there's, man, I've seen some little old praying ladies who are the sweetest ladies you'll ever see. But man, when they're dealing with the devil, get out the way. They're coming like a freight train. Why? Because that lion of Judah is roaring through them (laughs) at the enemies of God, at Satan, at the kingdom of darkness, at sin, at sickness, there are some things we need to be aggressive toward. And not everything is always supposed to be, you know, soft and cuddly all the time. No, uh, music, there's a proper time for different things. And music has a proper place. It's fitting for certain times and certain things. And God has a fierce side, and you don't want to be on that, that side. The, the thing about everything is, what is the Spirit? You know, and even talking about sensual music, you know, say, say, oh, that music's just sensual. Well, um, sense, like, just because something feels good doesn't make it wrong. You know, sensuality is being given over to the flesh. But, you know, God's not offended by people enjoying music any more than he's offended by married people having sex. I'm just being real with you. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be any of that, I'm just being real with you. He's not offended by us enjoying things. And, and, you know, that's the third thing I wanted to talk about is that music is for our enjoyment. The Bible says in 1 Timothy six seventeen, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. And as long as we're enjoying it in a godly manner, God's not against a good beat. God's not against a good guitar solo. He's not against us enjoying music. The point of it is what is the spirit of it and what is it moving you toward? Is it moving you toward something good, or is it moving you toward something bad? Is it moving you toward hate, or is it moving you toward love? Is it moving you toward uh, peace, or is it moving you toward distress and anxiety? What's it moving you toward? You know, a man I really respect is Phil Driscoll. He's a great musician. He's a legend. In my opinion, the best trumpet player I've ever heard of. He actually can play the shofar. He's anointed by God, and I heard him preach a message this past October about this. And he, he talked about how the church has pushed out musicians and the church has said, you can't play like this. You can't play like that. And and they've sent musicians out to where they feel like they have to, all they can do is play in the bars. All they can do is play in the bars because that's what they're graced and anointed to do. But the church won't accept them if they don't play things just this certain way or they do this certain thing. And you know, it is good to learn submission I and mean, you can't always have things your way but, you know, God anoints people to do what they're, they're graced and called to do. And and the church does itself a disservice when it says you can't play this kind of music. You can't play this style. You can't do this. You've got to fit in this little box of what we've determined is worship music. What we've determined is good. And if you don't follow our rules, man, that's what the Pharisees did. And Jesus w- was not all about all that. No, um, God has anointed people, and every style, every gifting, every grace has a place in the kingdom of God if it's sanctified unto God, if it's used for His glory. That's the thing that determines it. Is it used for God's glory? You know, musicians, they can have God's mark on them even if they're not fully living for God. And they're still gifts to us, they're still gifts, and it's okay to glean from their gifts and talents. Uh, and just like you would ask advice from an unsaved mechanic, the thing we have to guard against with that kind of stuff is is the spirits that are influencing their music. You know, some things just come from people's hearts. Some things are just them expressing things. My rule for, for music is, can I find God in it? Can I hear God in it? Do I see the character of God in it? Like I said, uh, when we talk about the world, you can find the spirit of the world on Christian radio, and you can also find some godly principles in secular music sometimes if you get to know God well enough, if you get to know His Word good enough, you'll you'll exercise your senses to discern good and evil. And it's not always a surface-level thing. I've had God use secular songs to speak to me on more than one occasion. And, you know, some secular songs are more theologically sound than some songs I've heard on Christian radio, I'll just be honest with you. Now, that's not a justification for listening to things that are not good. Like I said, in all things, you got to judge the spirit of it. We don't want to just focus on the outward. We don't want to miss the weightier things by being superficial. It's the spirit that matters. And anything that's sanctified to God can be used for God. You know, when God wants our best, He doesn't want us to just give Him something that we're not passionate about, that we don't care about. He wants us to give us, give Him our best, rather. And I'll say this, I'm, I'm starting to wrap it up here. But, uh, you know, music is meant to minister to people. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5, uh, verse 18, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, why does music replace getting drunk? And why do people even get drunk in the first place? A lot of times it's broken heartedness and trauma and depression, stress. You know, anointed music is meant to minister to depression and brokenheartedness. Music can be a heart bomb. You know, why do you think there are so many quote unquote heartbreak songs? You you, you hear these things, these heartbreak songs, you know? Um, I'll say this to you, if you're dealing with depression or a broken heart, you're in a vulnerable state and you need to be very careful what music you listen to because it appeals to your soul as a bomb. But let me ask you this, what is it moving you toward? Is it moving you toward healing or is it moving you toward more depression and bitterness? Like I said, music is made to move you, but it'll move you to good or bad. You know, we got to be careful about some of these songs that, you know, they're all about heartbreak. They're all about bad relationships. I ain't going to say any names. Kelly Clarkson. No, okay. I'm just kidding. No. Um, we got to be careful about some of these songs that that are just this tone of bitterness No, God will use music to heal, but but you want to ask yourself, is this music moving me to healing or is it moving me to to bitterness? That's the thing to ask yourself about music, especially if your heart is in a vulnerable state. God wants music to to be a balm and a healing, just like it was with David and Saul. But you know, I'll also say this, um, all music doesn't have to be happy and upbeat to be anointed and godly. Uh oh Just because music isn't always happy and upbeat doesn't mean it's not godly and anointed. Some people think so, but King David apparently did not because he wrote a lot of psalms that was pouring out his heart to God with pain, with joy, with praise, with worship, with relief, sometimes with anger. David used music to pour out his heart to God. Music is meant to express emotion. I don't agree that music is always supposed to be one tone in order to be godly. I, I, not on this earth. Now people say, well, in heaven we're going to you know, be happy and, and all that stuff. Yeah, in heaven we will be, and we can experience days of heaven on earth. But we still have things we have to deal with down here, and just like we have to take medicine down here sometimes, sometimes music can be medicine. And, and musical medicine is not always this one mo- tone of major songs that sound a certain way. No, um, God uses different kinds of music to minister to people in different places. You know, Proverbs tells us that a song of joy, singing a song of joy to someone whose heart is broken, is like stripping off their, co- their coat on a cold day. It says that. I, I apologize for not having the reference in front of me. But I, you look it up. It says, Singing a song of joy to someone whose heart is broken... Is like stripping off their coat on a cold day. In other words, there is a, a season for different kinds of music. You're not supposed to always just sing one kind of song every time. God anoints different music for different things. It's made to minister to you, but the question is, what is it ministering to you? What is it moving you toward? That's the thing to ask. And you know, that's a good thing if you're a musician to know, hey, what am I ministering? to people? What am I moving people toward? Some songs are not always happy and joyful. They may be more tuned to somebody who's in a a place of hurting and pain, but is it bringing comfort to them? Is it soothing them? Is it moving them toward healing or is it moving them toward bitterness and more depression? That's the thing that you want to watch out for. Now, before I go, I'll just say this really quickly. The third purpose of music is for our enjoyment. First Timothy 6.17 says that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. You know, music is a huge part of celebration. And we see this at weddings. We see this at you know different parties and things of that nature. Uh, music is a great way to celebrate. It's a great way to enjoy things. It's not wrong to dance. God is not against dancing. The Bible talks about how David danced before the Lord with all his might. And it's a huge part of that. As with all things, we have to let our enjoyment of a natural element not pull us into something wrong spiritually. You know, uh, something immoral, something wrong. Like I said, you can't let music move you to something wrong. But it's not wrong to enjoy music. It's not wrong to enjoy dancing. It's not wrong to enjoy a good beat or a good guitar solo or this or that. Music is, is fun. It's a blessing. We enjoy it. And God's not against us enjoying music. And I'll say this, not everything has to be a worship song. God's not against us enjoying a song. As long as it's not taking away from His glory, and as long as it's not moving us to something wrong, that's the thing we got to watch out for. It's like anything else. It's like enjoying ice cream. (laughs) You know, it has to be submitted to God. It has to be in balance. You know, personally, as somebody who is a musician, I want all of my music that I ever put out to give God the glory. I want it to minister to God and I want it to minister life to people. I want it to bring healing to people. Uh, Things that I never want music to do, that I put out, that I write, I never want it to give me glory or promote me or make me the object of worship. I never want to give glory to something wrong or sinful. I don't want to minister death and I don't want to move people toward wrong things, to evil, to darkness. I want to bring people out of those things. I want Whether the music is happy or whether it's not as happy sounding, the point is, am I pulling people out? Is it bringing people out? That's the thing that matters. And the music that I'm listening to, is it pulling me out? Is it is it getting me out of the funk? Is it getting me out of the mud? Or am I getting in the mud with them? Or, or, or is it putting me in the mud? That's the thing you want to watch out for. And, you know, I like to glean from different styles. I like to identify the gifts that people have in different kinds of music. And, uh, you know, I like to say this. If somebody else isn't going to use their style for God, then maybe I can use it for God. <laughs> but, you know, Satan, uh, he doesn't give people their style. He doesn't give their uh, give them their uniqueness. God did that. But, you know, God gave people these gifts and talents for the purpose of of worshiping and ministering to him for the purpose of ministering life to other people. And uh, not everybody's doing that, but me and you can be people who do that. And um, I want music to be a tool of God's love and God's healing and God's voice and an instrument of true worship. And, you know, that's what our next podcast is going to be about. You know, but we're talking about music. We're talking about these things. You may or may not agree with everything I said, particularly when it comes to secular music and things of that nature. And, you know, these questions come up, you know, Ben, is it okay to listen to secular music? I think there's been too much of a superficial line that's been drawn with music when it comes to that. Christian music, secular music. Um, Is it or is it not giving glory to God? Let's just make it simple. Is it or is it not promoting ungodly things? What's the spirit of it? You know, there's a song that I like by Colby Calais called Think Good Thoughts. And it's all about thinking good thoughts. And, you know, um, there's some things in there that when I listen to it, it reminds me of Philippians 4. that says, whatever things are good, whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely, think on these things. And sometimes I listen to that song and it will remind me of that. I will say this, if I listen to secular music too much in the sense of music that is not sung by people who are believers and who love God then I can sense that even just that very atmosphere of it kind of leaves me feeling empty in the same way that if all I eat is sweets, then I'm not nourished. And you know, that doesn't mean it's wrong to eat ice cream, but you've got to be careful about how much you're consuming of something that is not necessarily um, solid spiritual food. You know what I mean by that? You know, people are graced by God, but it doesn't mean that His anointing has full access in their music and what they're doing. And the more time we spend feeding on anointed things, the more appetite we'll have for the anointing. You know, you can you can hear things, you can see things, and, and maybe it's something you enjoy on a Sunday afternoon. Maybe it's not moving you towards something wrong. Maybe it's not, you know, taking away from your relationship with God. Maybe you even see something good in it. And I, I believe that's fine. But in all things, you just judge the spirit of it, and and remember, um, first things first, and, and don't and don't get obsessed and feed on things um, that don't have any spiritual significance. Um, you know, it's not wrong to go see a movie as long as you know it's it's doesn't have certain content in it. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it, it's something that you need to watch every morning when you get up. No, you need to be feeding on the word of God. You need to be feeding on anointed things, things that are giving glory to God. And in so doing, you'll have the senses to discern good and evil. And so I'm, I'm not promoting uh, listening to secular music, and I'm not against uh, doing this or against doing that. The point of this podcast is when we understand the purpose and the power of music and what it has the potential to move us toward, we'll be more aware of what we're listening to. And we won't get stuck in religious boxes and be ignorant of of the, the enemy's Trojan horse. And when he comes in trying to influence us through things that look good on the outside, but inwardly are full of dead men's bones, as Jesus said. So again, the power and the purpose of music is to worship and to minister to God, to minister life to people, and for us to enjoy in God under God with God. And you know, like anything else, I always say this. If I'm going to see a movie, if I can't take God with me, then I don't want to go. If I'm going to see a movie and I can't take Jesus with me, then I shouldn't be going. And the same thing applies to music. If I'm listening to a song and I can't listen to it with Jesus, then I shouldn't be listening to it. If I feel like I've got to let Jesus get out of the car before I play a certain song, then I shouldn't be listening to it. That's a good question to ask yourself. Can Jesus get down with me on this song? And listen, um, don't be blasphemous. If it's immoral, if it's ungodly, if it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father. And don't act like God's okay with it. No, He's not. That's of the world. That's the spirit of the world. You can't be promoting those things and say it's of God. It's not. No, um, we should be aware of what pleases God, what is of God, and we should look for those characteristics in everything that we listen to, everything that we enjoy, and everything that we allow to influence us on a regular basis. That's what matters. Anyway, this has been the No Contempt Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you enjoyed this today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Contempt Podcast. If you want to, you can follow me on social media at No Contempt, or if you don't want to, then you don't have to, so don't. Don't worry about it. But whatever you do, please remember these three things. Number one, God loves you. Number two, you are valuable. And number three, so is everyone else. And number four, please don't forget to feed the ducks.